She's a professional aromatherapist, and he is an international wellness advocate for the largest essential oil company in the world. But their love for essential oils has brought them together. Welcome to Fellowship in Essential Oils, where Elizabeth Ashley and Adam Barillet discuss essential oils and their gifts for the body, heart, head and spirit. Welcome to the next episode of Fellowship in Essential Oils. My name is Adam. Liz, how are you today? I really well think, thanks Adam, but we are a bit dodgy. We've got terrible rain, have had days here, and we just had our power outage, so I hope we're going to be okay and be able to stay on, on air today. So if you disappear on me, I won't take it personally that I've said something wrong. <laughs> well, might be. <laughs> Could be that too. <laughs> Well, I, I hope you don't disappear on us because this week we're looking at Peru balsam. This is an oil that, you know, I know you in the past you've talked about, you've got your inner circle. This is one that's not in my inner circle. It might not even be in my outer circle. It's kind of sitting there and I really don't use it too much, but I know that you're very, very passionate about it today. So today might be the, the Liz won't shut up show, but I've got a few things that I'll share along the way. So what can you tell us first of all about where, where does this oil come from? Well, so the first the first thing to say is Peru balsam does not come from Peru, and uh, so that, so the whole story behind that is so interesting. So I will, I will kind of build up to it because I, I think in the future maybe this will be another subject of one of my books because I'm so fascinated by this story and there's so much more research that could be done that I can't see that anybody else has done before. Um, but it, it is an oil that my mum always used. It's always been in, in our family. We've always used it a lot, specifically for eczema and for dermatitis and that kind of stuff. But it's one of those oils that I, I go, I have fads on and I go, oh, I want to I have it around me all the time. And then I put it away and forget about it. And usually when I've put it away, it's because my husband's gone, oh, you've not got that out again. It damages everything it touches. So... <laughs> So if anybody hasn't seen it before, it's a really thick, it's like treacle. And if you put it in the bath, don't put it in the bath because, because it ruins the enamel. And don't put it on your windowsill because if it, go, it goes through the paint and then when you paint over it, it comes through the paint again. So it's a particular popular, popular oil in my house. But uh, I wanted to talk a bit about the history, because if you look it up in Battaglia, for instance, he has like one line that's one of those kind of statements that I go, wait, what? <laughs> Two. Mm. And he talks about how suddenly the Pope in the 15th, 16th century said, oh, we can have this part of the holy anointing oil. And I was like, wait, what? What's the story behind that? So I went on this enormous like journey to find out. So first of all, what is Peru balsam essential oil? Well, so the we call it the balsam tree. So as we're not too confusing, the balsam tree is an evergreen tree, which is very, very tall, grows to around about 130 feet high. Uh, as I say, evergreen, big, big kind of long uh, leaves like fingers, pretty white flowers with very long yellow stamens, very fragrant. Everything about all parts of the plant are fragrant. 
And these stamens, after the bees and insects have pollinated, will are obviously fertilised, become a fruit, and they actually become a bee. A bean. It is. This is Jack and the Beanstalk, really. This is a really tall beanstalk. And so the pods are around about 10 centimetres long, but just one little bean inside each one, and they're black. So you could be, like, excused for thinking that that came from the bean, but it does not. It comes from the bark of the tree. So the people that harvest this are called balsameros, and they in times gone by were important people, big tribal industry, and it's been very much passed from father to son. But now there's only a handful of these, um, but it is still harvested in the same way. So what they do, remembering that this is a massive tall tree, they go way, way up the tree on ropes and find the darkest part of the bark. And so it's the mm. darkest part of the bark on the darkest tree they can find. And so these trees are going to be like 25 to 30 years old before they start doing what they do, which is secreting the oil in response to being injured. So bearing in mind, these balsam arrows are probably about 100 feet in the air in a, a forest full of these trees. They then get a great big flaming torch and burn the um, the bark. So the, the tree, so cruel really, when you think about it from the point of the tree, tree goes and goes rigid, sends all of its essential oils, not essential oils, but essential oils, to the surface and into the bark. So what they do then is they, they like score it like a, a crosshatch and they take off the bark. So they've got like a strip taken, a strip left, a strip taken, a strip left. Then they put rags on it to stop it bleeding and to catch any more of the blood, the, of the resin that comes out, come down the tree, lay it on the ground, leave it to dry for a, for a week, go back up, go and get all of the rags, and then they collect it all together and they put it into a boiling pot. So obviously the sun has softened the resins by this point. Um, and then they boil that. And what happens then is the water separates and the exudate goes hard, goes to the bottom, so they can just take that off. And then they distill that, and that's what we get here, which is the essential oil. So I don't know if it's too dark to see, but it's really thick, resinous. No, you can't really see it, mm. but it's, it's like treacle, really. Um, and, I mean, we've got records right back to sort of 1570 that describe that, that it was done that way even then. So this is carried on and carried on. I actually did find a one-minute video on YouTube of watching the guy with the ropes up, burning it, fanning it, exactly. doing the whole shebang kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we'll share is, that. We'll share that below. Yeah. So there is also like another um, essential that's similar that you, I never really see for sale anymore, but we we do have in our collection, which is tolu, um, and tolu is kind of a cousin of the tree, um, and. Rather than sort of going right and incising, they kind of just stab it. They don't set it on fire. Mm -hmm. but so that's a kind of a yellowy one, but very, very similar kind of thing. So what you get, though, from this oil then is this thick treacle, which smells really, the best description is like vanilla, but with smoke. Yeah. Um, and not only does it smell nice, but it tastes nice. So we'll, we'll address that later, but don't get put eating this one. 
but we'll we'll talk about that later has many medicinal product uh, pro, uh, properties that were documented right back when they discovered America and also religious um, significance. Yep. So the religious significance is probably what made it famous in the first place. That obviously when they went to the Americas, the Spaniards saw them using this tree. And there's um, Francisco Hernandez in 1570 does a really big um, monograph on it. And most of our information comes from that. So that's like, what, 80 years after they've been there, something like that. Um, but he talks about how he sees them growing in the royal palaces, in the gardens of the royal palaces, and that they use it for wounds and for um, skin disorders, as well as water infections. And he, But he says it's is used for an incomparable number of diseases. So, that, I mean, that's high praise, isn't it? Mm. What's most fascinating, I think, to the to the church at that time is, of course, they've got this uh, oil that's used for the mummification of the uh, Inca um, bodies, but it's also continually used for worshipping the idols of the ancestors. So then this becomes quite a, a complex thing for them because they've got, you know, if you if you look at Columbus got there 1492, uh, immediately 1493, the church gets involved and says, right, we'll split these areas between Spain and Portugal. And I don't care who has them as long as you spread Christianity. So this is like the main task. And they've got mm. this fantastic tree that really they don't want to outlaw in any way because it's such a healing tree and there's so much of it and they're using it in religious purposes so what the church does in 1540 is they say right what we're going to do then because it's becoming quite expensive to buy balsam of gilead to make anointing oil that's very expensive and it's a bit of a pain in the arse trying to get it out of alexandria now because they're really trying to sort of levy us for all the taxes we're going to use that so they make a, a papal bull. So 14, 1541, the Pope says, right, from now on, that's what you're going to use. You can use that as a replacement for it. We've prayed over it for a long time. This is specifically says we've prayed over it for a long time. And the reason why we've decided on this is because it will be such a good oil for healing the sick because of its effects on wounds. Mm. But there, he records it as Peru balsam. But it's not Peru. And we know that it's not Peru because we have this document still somewhere lost in the Vatican, but it does exist in Guatemala, which was at that point was El Salvador, where most of the oil comes from. It grows mm, Brazil to Mexico, not Peru. But the reason why they called it Peru balsam was around that time, there were so many pirates, so many privateers. If you look around about 15, well, 1572, Francis Drake sacked the uh, port of um, Peru looking for gold and for all sorts of manners and presumably looking for Peru balsam because they've deliberately, the church deliberately misled the Protestants to tell them. Ah, so the name is basically a decoy saying, oh, it comes from Peru. If you want to steal it, go to Peru. Exactly. Wow. wow. So you can't tell that story slowly, really, can you? Because it's fascinating, isn't it? 
Um, but yeah, right from from 1570, we can see the the properties laid out really, really well. So those are skin healing, water infections, coughs that won't bring up sputum. So like unpredictable uh, coughs, um, abscesses that are corrupt in his words, so they won't heal, um, and also hemorrhoids. Um, so those are the main physical things that they were used for then and still used now. I will stop talking for a bit and come back to, to episode two in a moment. So have you got any thoughts you would like to add or to, or to say from that? I think it's really interesting. Um, yes, that it has all these um, different healing properties. It seems like there seems to be a theme in the physicality of like helping to things that aren't kind of uh, wanting to burst out but can't. Yeah, that's, that's really good interesting yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just a couple of side notes as well, especially for you know those that are DoTerra customers. There is, can be some confusion with that word balsam. There is a balsam fir, which does you know is more North American. That a totally different oil to what we're talking about here. Um, and although it's not available through DoTerra, it is in one of our blends called Native Bush, which is an Australian and New Zealand exclusive oil. So you can get your hot little hands on it in that type of way as well. So those are little things that people might be going. Well, what about if can I get it? And yes, there are other companies obviously that you can get it from that would be reputable to get the pure one. But just good to know it's not balsam fir and it is in our blend um, native bush. But no, go on, episode two. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I should, I didn't really finish episode one when I think about it because, of course, there was a, a another agenda of the church when they did that. Because why would you spend all that money buying Balm of Gilead? and sending it all the way to El Salvador, which is where most of the oil comes from now, known as the saviour, isn't it? Because it's christened. Uh, and then they're going to embalm with this oil. And remember the word Christ does mean embalmed with oil. So the propaganda is like amazing when you think about it. It's part of their way of saying, well, we'll adopt all your cultures. We'll adopt all of that, but we're just going to change the name of the God. Um, yep. so that, I mean, that, that's fascinating. But so we, we look at it and we think this is an amazingly healing oil, which it is. Everybody should be using it. But the answer to that is no, they should not, because it is a really high incidence of allergens. So research shows that 3.8% of general population have allergies to some constituent within it so this is really an oil that you should experiment smelling doing a little test on your finger first before you shove it in the bath before you put it on all of those things because actually there's really quite a high likelihood that you may be allergic to something in it um, mm. and what's more I talked earlier about how it tastes nice Actually, it's one of the most common additions to medicines, but also common additions to food. So, for example, it's in Coca-Cola because it smells and tastes like vanilla. And there are loads and loads of foods that have the similar kind of chemicals in it that are high possibilities of allergens. So the sort of two main allergens, the benzyl, um, benzoate, which is... Mm, didn't do my homework about 60% of the oil and then cinnamic acid which is about 5% of the oil they're the main allergens in it cinnamic acid for example turns up in tomatoes so if you're allergic to tomatoes the chances are you're going to be allergic to this 
likewise it's in um like cloves nutmegs all of those kind of things so if you are somebody who kind of um has allergies to those or gets migraines to those there is a chance that you'll be allergic to this um and the other thing is that it actually is uh used on some adhesives on plasters so again if you've had plaster allergies sticking plaster allergies it could be this not ne uh, not necessarily because there's lots of different things but it could be so um that's a big thing so if you have got an allergy to it then usually it's a contact dermatitis which is which is a, a shame isn't it when you think that we're talking about something that's so good for eczema um, dermatitis um psoriasis all of those things respond really well to it but also if you're allergic that is probably going to be the first thing but sometimes if you drink if like somebody who's drunk it in coke for example lips tongue um hives on the skin so the chances are you will have re reacted in some way to it before and right. think about that um before you use it but so in, so in summary if you said issues with tomatoes band-aids or coca-cola it could be that would be a, a bit of a red flag straight away yes i think yes. so yes i think mm. so um but it, it is in so many things so for example cough medicines for good reason you know it's very expectorant so it's in cough medicine so it's right across so what i would say is whoever you are approach this gently but if you can use it then it's fantastic because a, it smells so much like vanilla. And so all of that medicine we expect from vanilla of feeling comforted and cosy and all of that stuff translates into this, which is much cheaper. Mm. Um, but also just it's it's such a therapeutic oil. So it's interesting that just for a change, go at it with real, real care is what I would say. The other thing is to really stress, you know, I don't want to be in a situation where the people say, but it's in Coke, so it's easy to, to digest. So in there is a, a maximum dilution that you can put in like anything that you're going to eat, which is 0.0015%. So that's really, really low, way lower than you would use if you were going to put it in a capsule or whatever. And so therefore yeah. you're going way over what you're, you can have. And the reason why you would put it in foods and, for example, is it's antibacterial, it's antifungal. So it's, you know, it's got all of these preservative qualities. Um, and just, again, su such an amazingly clever and interesting oil. Yeah. So on, on sticking around this physical, and there's so many different things that I have seen that, you know, so good for getting stuff out of the body. How have you used it in, in maybe your home and with your clients? When are you like, right, we need the Peru balsam? Yeah, so remember that I don't see that many clients. Um, yeah. so, so there's there is never going to be a huge back, uh, back catalogue. But but for me, I had this injury on my leg just before I got married. Um, I woke up in the morning and I still don't know what happened to it, whether I burnt it in on a, a hot water bottle or whether I'd been bitten. But I had a huge blister that was like that sort of size. And it was deep, deep in my leg. And I went to the doctors and the doctor went, I don't like that. <laughs> Neither do I. Anyway, we put the, he put like a see-through plaster over it. And he said, leave it on for, for three days, then take it off. Well, this plaster, didn't. it kept it clean. But when I took it off, it was still wide open. The, it healed, but the, the scab just get, 
deeper and deeper and deeper and i've still got an enormous scab where uh, like scar where it was and i had to dig it out because i was like this is too disgusting to have on my wedding day and then i put peru balsam around it and it healed within days even though it had mm. been open for about three weeks one way or another um so that was very good and mum always talks about she often used it for eczema and for dermatitis but again you really stress you do need to do a um a patch test first but for me this is really so lovely if you feel like you are in the middle of a very very stressful situation it feels really well imagine you're the tree and you're being burnt you know what this seems to say is this too shall pass this happens all the time and you get through it and that's the kind of way i use it um just i do use it in the bath but don't but don't tell anybody i dilute it now before i put it in the bath um but also just like as a massage or before i go to bed in a in a body butter because it, it does smell like uh, it smells so sensuous it's lovely um but so yeah. Yeah, those are the main things yeah and, and talking about that, that that kind of heavenly vanilla pleasurable kind of aroma to it as well i went down a bit of a rabbit hole yesterday where i was like oh chakras of resin oils and we won't get into it too much in this episode we'll definitely talk on this on our masterclass that's happening on thursday and i know lots of people got their tickets but there's probably someone listening who hasn't got their ticket yet so get that but i think this would be of all the resin oils i don't think there's another one that i would allocate to the heart chakra like i would allocate um balsam peru or peru balsam too because it's real loving nurturing pleasurable kind of energy to it yeah and do you been... know what i i don't have an answer i knew you were going to ask yeah. me about like medical astrology and all that and i don't have an answer because yeah. probably my brain's too lodged into into that vein of like remembering stuff so yeah. i don't really perceive it on a different level and i haven't worked with it long enough to do that so i i, I haven't got an answer to argue or agree but yes you can definitely feel it there and of course you would the way that it it gets rid of all the sputum and the crap off your chest when you're coughing and stuff but yeah yeah and, and i think also talking about it, its aroma if we were to have a competition of best smelling resin oil um i know some people you know they love their frankincense or they love another oil but i think this would be probably the the best smelling resin oil that i've oh, seen in my i life. don't know that's controversial oh that's I know. controversial Mer that's myrrh for me <laughs> but but, but okay. it is it is really beautiful if you haven't smelt it you are going to really like it yeah it, for me you know as, as i was reading up about it and checking in with it and meditating on it and working with it kind of my 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 experience with it and reading other people's as well i feel this is a really great one as we're talking about that expectorant kind of getting you know getting slam out of the lungs and um all those different things a really nice one for healing of the heart for it's a beautiful heartbreak oil um i guess you know just like the tree has been burnt often when we end a relationship there's some sense of being betrayed or burnt and i think it would it would help with that and i i get this kind of beautiful image of it almost puts a cape of protection over the heart i love very... that i do love that yes and but i yeah. do think i think also using using this brain rather than that brain I think we probably have to say it's very much a Saturn thing. It's about time. The way that the the Incas use and the, the Mayans and Aztecs were using it as ancestor worship, you know, and mm. this this idea of like 
hard, dull. It's going to, it's taking forever and ever for me to get out of this awful time. You know, it never ends. That's Saturn kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess even the consistency of the essential oil being so thick, it's kind of, it does take, you know, it's almost like vetiver. Do you mean vetiver is very much about stillness and slowing down? It's almost as though those thick oils, you know, that guaiac wood vetiver, they're immersed, slow down allow that healing to happen over time and that patience yeah. as well. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can show. See if I can. Uh, see if it'll drip. It's almost like glue. So like when vetiver and, um, let's do that. Yeah. See how it like sticks. Yeah. Anything that needs sticking back together will love this. It's like Evo yeah. stick for the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Project placement. Apologies for that. <laughs> All good. I was just thinking of a joke. I always say, you know, why vetiver is so good for getting, um, you know, helping you get a good night's sleep. And by the time you've got it all out of the bottle, you're half asleep already. You're half asleep anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it isn't as slow as that. It does move quite quickly, but it just is really thick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And interesting talking about the ancestors. There's a lot of talk about it being used to connect with our ancestors and connect with, you know gods heaven angels um a few references and, and i can really get this as well connecting to um the plant kingdom and like the plant divas um is, is this oil could facilitate with that as well which when you it's got this sweetness and we often think of plant divas of most of the time i guess plant divas have all different characteristics but there's a bit of a, a fey or a sweetness to their energy so it really helps you to drop into that Oh, that's clever. Yes. I mean, going back to what we were saying about this, the, the, the chrism, uh, the, they were specific about it. It was the holy chrism and the oil of cat uh, and the oil for the sick, um, not oil of catechumens. So oil of catechumens was the oil that they use for exorcisms. So not not so much involved in spiritual aspect uh, like as in the mm. spirits for some reason but for healing the body and also of course anointing that the holy chrism was for for baptism and for um you know if somebody was becoming a bishop or something like that or for transitions so it's an anointing oil for transitions from one state to the next and that mm. that's my order of the vatican yeah yeah interesting um, one other aspect that really came out strong for me as well is um, a really good oil to use as part of meditation when we're doing anything of creative visualization or manifestation. I think a lot of the time we approach our, our magical or our spiritual work of like almost in desperation. Like I really need to find that money or I really need to find a lover and that kind of thing. And as we know, we kind of work in a vibrational world where we attract what we're a vibrational match to. So if we're focusing on I'm desperate for money and that's the energy we put out into the world, then we're just kind of rippling out desperation for money and not actually that feeling. We know that this is a feeling world. And when we, if we want to, you almost have to kind of fake it till you make it energetically. So you have to pretend that you have a partner. You have to pretend that you have the money and feel what that's like and then send that out in ripples to the universe. And I find that this oil would be absolutely amazing they're helping us move into that positive space of like, this is what it will feel like to have that love, to have that money, to have that in intention coming in and to make sure that we're actually a vibrational match of what we want. Because a lot of the time, I always say the universe doesn't home deliver. We've got to kind of meet it halfway. So it's not, we don't put out our wish like a birthday candle and go, wait for it to come. We've got to do some of the work. We've got to start faking it till we make it. And I think 
in manifestation, if you're working with someone or you're working with yourself and there's a bit of desperation in there, working with this and feeling the joy because of that beautiful, luscious, vanilla, smoky kind of aroma, it's going to make it smile. It's got to lift your vibration. It's got to lift your, your cheer in that way as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I do also want to say, though, I think there is an element with this oil, a bit like frankincense and spikenard, that we should be saying, but it's a sacred oil. And, yeah. and you know, it is for healing and it is for doing sacred work. And so don't just go out and use it for everything. Um, if you think about the how many things that the that, that Peru balsam can be used for. I mean, we're talking about medicine, we're talking about spiritual, it's food, it's wood, well sought after for furniture. It's in a bad state uh, sustainably. Um, and I think it was, I think it was, mm -mm, I think around about 1990, they were saying, you know, we've got problems with this, there's not enough of it to go around. And then even after that, they went, oh no. One of these, this we're confusing this with another species. So a lot of these that we've counted in that count aren't actually that tree. Oh, no. So it was way, way, is way, way worse than than we thought. So it's a medicine. It's a spiritual oil. It's not one to just go. Oh, what well, you wouldn't put it in the diffuser to make yourself calm anyway. And if you do, then it serves you right that you ruined your diffuser. But <laughs> but so it's you know it's four hard times. No, this is one mm. of those oils. Um, also, on that on that note, we don't bung loads on. It's we use very small amounts. So we only use 0.4 percent uh, on the skin. And although we don't actually have a warning about phototoxicity, it's not a phototoxic oil. But it does seem that the allergens, when somebody has an allergy, seems to be a phototoxic allergy. So whilst we don't have a warning on it, I would definitely say this is an oil for nighttime, for evenings, before we settle, rather than getting up in the morning and going, well, it doesn't have the energy of mornings anyway. But just, just be careful about that too. One thing that we haven't talked about on this show yet, that talking about using it sparingly and for special occasions, is kind of the expiry date or how long do oils last? And you know, it can vary from oil to oil, but with this oil, you know, if you were to buy a bottle, should we be worried about, oh, if I don't use it in two years, it's going to be useless? So different oils have different shelf lives, depending on shelf lives, shelf lives, depending on the main chemical constituents in them. So what you would normally be worried about is if an oil is high in monoterpenes because they direct, uh, decay quickly, and it's usually those that are phototoxic. No, it's not high in those. Um, and in actual fact, this bottle that I am messing with has got my stepdad's writing on the top. So he's been he's been dead 20 years now. So that's still going strong. I'm still using that. Um, yeah. And so this isn't one of those oils that you would have to replace loads and loads. No. Yeah. So it's worth looking for, again, as we always say, looking for a reputable um, co company that obviously has a high quality oils. And we also want to be really mindful of the sustainability as well. So if you can find a little bit about that. But this is kind of, it's an investment oil in a way that you'd have there, sitting there for special occasions and a really valuable one when you do need it. Yeah. And there are actually, to, to mention that there is another version of it. I mean, we, I'm talking about it being really thick and it's going to ruin your diffuser, which it will, and it serves you right if you do it. But, um, <laughs> but there is a vacuum distilled version, which is not as thick. 
it's not as either you know mm. haven't got that that richness of taste but you could that that is commercially available and you could put that in your diffuser but yeah i from from a plea from the trees be be humane rather than being a typical human about it yeah it's so true that we, you know, sometimes an oil isn't available because nature, you know, I, I know there's been issues with oils like helichrysum and Roman chamomile in the past where there's been, you know, storms or droughts and different things. And people like, you know, that oil's not available as well. And, and with these big tree oils, you know, um, brew branco, which is another resin oil that comes from similar region type of thing. They're actually finding that the, um, the boosting up the publicity of this oil is actually helping because the tree is better alive than dead. And so it's actually helping to save the um, the forest in the area because they're like, we can't chop this bit down of the Amazon because we need those trees in that way. But people need to be mindful, you know, rosewood is a classic one that um, for a long, long time, I see it in a lot of the old aromatherapy texts and I saw some Oracle cards that had rosewood as one of the cards and it is a nice smelling oil, but you know, the sustainability of that is very questionable a lot of the time yeah I, I agree totally and actually going back to that papal bull when they said you could use and and that's what it's called when it's an edict i'm not calling it bull but yeah. <laughs> bull, bull, bull. Yeah, yeah um it does say in there that if you chop the trees down now because they have become part of the holy anointing oil if you chop them down it would be sacrilegious so, mm. you know, so, so you can't like pick and choose the bits. If you want to be observing that it's a holy oil, then you need to observe that they, it is a holy oil and you can't just keep taking it. It's a holy oil from a holy tree. So honour the right. tree, again, don't just honour the gift that it gives us type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Really important. Yeah. So for you overall, how would you personify it or you know, personify it as an oil or even... Spiritually, where where would you be reaching for it on that like high emotions and high spiritual kind of level? Do you think? Uh, uh, to translate this too shall pass. You know, we all get to times where we can't fight any longer. Um, yeah. And like, if it was like going for, well, I always describe fennel as being like that, as if you're running a marathon. You know, physical battles. Fennel's really good for that. But this is very much like, I just can't take the heat any longer. Um, and we mm. all have that sometimes, don't we? And and it's very good for just, it's almost like anaesthetic to the spirit. It just goes, shh. And then the next morning you're like, I can do this now. I can do this. Yeah. And even when you think about the two words that you've described, the aroma of smoky and vanilla-ish. Vanilla, we obviously associate with pleasure. Um, I remember reading that the most um loved aroma around the world is actually vanilla it's the most popular smell um regardless of culture and background and that type of thing so we've got the vanilla which is that pleasure but that smokiness it's almost like it represents the not the light at the end of the tunnel but the light after like coming out of a, a thick smoke or kind of coming out of a fire yeah. and you know in places like australia one of the biggest risks we have to our livelihood the environment and so on are these devastating bushfires that come through and destroy everything and that's kind of whenever we've been burned whenever we've gone through that fire it's almost i guess if you had to give it an animal it's kind of like a bit of a phoenix um out of the ashes kind of oil yep. in that way yeah agreed mm, yep so another amazing essential oil to add to the collection put it there as a you know 
I can't really see us talking. We will, we will talk about it in the masterclass, but there's not that much else to learn about that one. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll be concentrating more on the other three. But I mean, I have a wealth of information to just give about lavender in, in on its own. But um, yeah, if you do have questions that you want to ask about Peru Balsam, I'm more than happy to be down that rabbit hole forever and ever, amen. So do post yeah. them and anything you want to know about the masterclass in the questions below. Yes, please do. Remember that happens this Thursday, the 27th. Um, it is at 8pm. What, what time? London time. I'm 7pm, I think. 7pm 7, 7 London time. It says, yep. it says so, in the description anyway. It does, yeah. So we've got all the links. Click on that, grab your spot. And remember, even if you can't be there, you get the whether you attend live or not, we want everyone to attend live so we can interact with you. But regardless, everyone who has bought their ticket will get the recording and you have lifetime access for that. So you can go back over and over again. And this will be a monthly event. So next month we'll be talking about four different oils. So one oil that we'll definitely be talking about next month is what we're going to cover next uh, episode is Palo Santo. We're going to stick yeah, around the same region. Yeah. One of the ladies on, on the comments on my video said, oh, can you talk about Paolo Semto? And I thought, well, yes, that would be nice because I don't, I, I like it, but I don't know huge amounts about it. So we'll be getting into that next week. So wherever, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening through one of the podcast uh, platforms, if you do have a request, reach out to us, let us know because we're open for suggestions. There's a, there's a lot, we've got a lot of oils to get through. There's, I don't know how long we're going to be doing this for, but there's a lot to do. And, and, and when you come up with ones like Peru Balsam, I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that one. So we could be here for, we could, we could be up for three to 400 episodes, who knows? Well, I do think it's interesting when it's ones that, other people don't talk about you know there, there's so much information out there and when you look on the internet they regurgitate the same information over and over again you know i'm guilty of doing it but uh, you know in this sometimes it's way more interesting to know outside of just what that oil is there's so many secret stories that real give give huge nuance to the meaning isn't there and I think anyone who's interested in aromatherapy there's a real benefit of experimenting with all different essential oils because yeah, lavender's great for this and, you know, maybe lavender might be great for sleep, but some people find that lavender's not quite their jam. It's Roman chamomile or it's vetiver or it's cedarwood or something else. So finding your own inner circle of the oils that you really love and work really well for you, because chemically we are all different in different ways. So we will dance with different oils. There's even a, a small percentage of people that I find lavender wakes them up and perks them up. So you need to find something else. So yeah, definitely dance with all the ones that we, we talk about and Find your own inner circle. I, I love this idea of we all have our own oil inner circle. So I think we should just like um, recap what the oils are we're going to do in the masterclass. Yep. So we're talking about lavender. We're talking about the mandarins. We're talking about heliochrysum. And I know there's a lot of people because Chiron went retrograde yesterday. So a lot of people have been very interested in their Chiron. Um, what's their Chiron sign? What does it mean? How do we use heliochrysum? So we're going to talk a little bit about that go down a bit a bit of a rabbit hole on chiron and helichrysum and then we're also going to be talking about today's oil peru balsam as well and yeah i might go down a bit of a tangent with chakras and resin oils who knows where we'll go what i'd be interested in actually is given that i am a melissa priestess and we're dream priestesses chiron going retrograde really switched the dreams on for me last night so i've been scribbling and scribbling I'm interested to know what people have been dreaming about too. If you've had anything interesting that was maybe related to Greece, I want to know about it at the workshop. 
Yeah, and Chiron retrograde is a time when dreams will increase as well. So not only did Chiron go retrograde yesterday, but Venus also did, and Eris, which is the contender to be the tenth planet. She's out near Pluto, but she's slightly smaller but heavier, and she's a really interesting retrograde as well. So there's a lot happening, and it was funny that I woke up yesterday morning with a message from a friend. Can I have a chat? And we had this big hour chat about some challenges he was having in his life, and then at the end, it kind of twigged on me as I kind of woke up and went. What we've just talked about are issues around Venus, Chiron, and Eris. So weird, isn't it? Chapman. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but it works, and that's what we're going to explore. Yep. <laughs> so we will see you on Thursday for the Masterclass. Make sure you grab your tickets, and we'll be back next week as we dive into Palo Santo, and we'll let you know then also what the other oils for August will be as well. Until then, look after yourselves, look after each other, and look after Mother Earth. And remember, always get sustainable essential oils. See you soon.